Welcome to Diminishing Returns. This week, we take on the Johnny English franchise in anticipation of the third instalment, Johnny English Strikes Again, being released this week. And if you're a real hardcore Diminishing Returns fan, then we have something very special for you, because this week's episode is also available in its full, unedited form. That's right, if you haven't had enough after the next hour of podcasting gold, then you can go to our website, dimreturns.com, and get the full two-and-a-half-hour podcast just as we recorded it, if you think you can take it. And given that Johnny English is a pastiche of the Bond franchise, there should be no surprise as to who our very special guest is this week. Yes, hello. Welcome to Diminishing Returns. I'm back. It's me, Calvin. Whoa, uh, what's that voice? Uh, that high-pitched I squeal? I don't, don't recognise it anymore. Oh my god, Calvin's here. That that means we must be doing James Bond. <laughs> Yay, Bond! Yay! Oh, well. <laughs> well, funnily enough, we are reviewing a film by some of the writers of some of the more recent James Bond films. Ooh. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, well, yes, I know we'll get into it, we'll get into it, but uh, yes, I'm I'm Calvin, um, I know no fear. Um, with me is Alan, who knows no danger. Hello. And then there's Saul, who knows nothing. <laughs> what? See what I did there? No, I, 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 was, I was doing <laughs> Johnny English poster, uh, the, the, the tagline for the film, I was doing it for know, the was, three of us. I was playing along by not knowing anything and saying what? Uh, ah, ah, brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. So, yeah, I, 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 you invited me back very kindly. I must say, um, to talk about Johnny English and Johnny English Reborn, in anticipation of the uh, third film, the uh, you know hitherto unfathomable the long-awaited instalment, <laughs> <laughs> in great demand, yeah. Johnny English reactivated. What's it called? It's- uh, Johnny English strikes again. Strikes again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where should we start? Where when it comes to talking about this most unlikely of franchises? I was going to say we we haven't we haven't touched on Rowan Atkinson yet, but he's quite a big figure in the world of British comedy. I suppose he not appeared so much in, in the our world Love Actually episode. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. I take it back. <laughs> We, we said it was a weird character that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't really gone into him in much detail, though, have we? No. It's because there's I, not a black I thought there was much cause it. to. I haven't <laughs> heard people screaming for it on the Facebook page. But, I, yeah. mean, this, I mean, this or Bean are his film uh, exploits, aren't they? I mean, yeah. mostly a TV guy. Should we do Bean hmm. instead? <laughs> yeah, it's the ultimate disaster movie. There's a second one. Yeah, there's, a, there's a third one. Is there? Yeah, he just did some weird. Right, he, <laughs> he just like I think last year or earlier this year, some Chinese language film only for the Chinese market, like that he obviously no. agreed to do in the knowledge it would never ever come out <laughs> in the Western <laughs> marketplace. Some Tory whiskey. Yeah, he, it, it's some kind of spin-off of a um, reality TV show. It's like a it's like a comedian talent show. They made some bizarre scripted film spin-off about all the contestants going off and 
having an adventure and Mr. Bean joins in as one of them. And yeah. it's Ro- it's just Rowan Atkinson as Mr. Bean. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, that's yeah. not what we're doing. <laughs> so we're doing no. Johnny English. I think yes. he's hard up for cash, to be honest, so it does tie into... <laughs> he's spunked it all on trucks. <laughs> no, he's, 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 in, he's having a divorce, isn't he? He's having a difficult oh, he? divorce, I think. He, mm. Yeah, he like, left his wife for a 20-year-old or something. Oh, and... good man. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all above board. Yeah. <laughs> he's always hold, holding those, like, conferences as well, talking about, like, how politically correct society is now and how it's damaging for comedy and all that. It is indicative of a culture that has taken hold of the programmes of successive governments that, with the reasonable and well-intentioned ambition to contain obnoxious elements in society, has created a society of an extraordinarily authoritarian and controlling nature. That is what you might call the new intolerance. I might as well say it at the top of the show here. Like, Rowan Atkinson growing up was one of my real childhood heroes. Like, I thought he was fantastic. I have to Mm. say, like, the more I kind of get to know him and see behind the curtain, he comes across like such a fucking knobhead. (laughs) Such a (laughs) prat. Just really pretentious. Mm. Apparently on the set of one of... Is that a big surprise, though? Well, as a kid, when you grow up watching Mr. Bean and Blackadder and you see this rubber-faced guy, it kind of is a harsh realisation that, oh, no, this guy's just a bit of a prick. Mm. Like... It's, it's just stuff like, apparently, I don't know which Johnny English film it was, but apparently on the set of one of them, um, he was going out of his way to keep it as serious and unfunny on set, because he kept saying it should never be funny on set, because all the laughter has to be on the screen, and the more serious and boring it is on set, the funnier it becomes on screen. <laughs> They must have been having a right laugh on the set of this film. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) But but yeah, I don't know. I like Rowan Atkinson as well. And yeah, obviously I'm thinking of Blackadder and all this. But yeah, he always seemed like a bit of a tosser. I mean, he went to Oxbridge (laughs) University, wherever that is. It's I still like him. Yeah, he's one of the Ben Elton lot as well, you know? You, th- you think <laughs> Tosser working in comedy. <laughs> ben Elton, number one. <laughs> Richard Curtis, number two. It makes sense that number three would be Rowan Atkinson, doesn't it? So, yeah, you're right. Mm. Uh, well, I'm, I'm probably the one with the least amount of baggage when it comes to Rowan Atkinson, by the sounds of it. I hadn't. I still haven't actually watched Blackadder, um, Mr. Bean, I've seen the odd bit on TV, but I wouldn't say I was a massive fan, as much as I do like it. Funnily enough, Johnny English was one of the favourite DVDs for the uh, French teacher to stick on at the end of term, <laughs> so I've actually seen Johnny English about ten times well, over the course of my life. I've made a very similar note. I think if if there was like a way to figure out like the relationship between how many times I've seen a film compared to how good it is. <laughs> I think this is, like, the worst film I've seen a lot. <laughs> I don't really know how to word that, but... Like, I, <laughs> I have seen it far too many times, is kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, it, as much as I really am going to be slagging it off, I do think there's a certain charm to the film. And I don't know what I, I don't know if that's purely Rowan Atkinson being kind of likable in spite of coming across like behind the camera he's a bit of a tosser. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, yeah. I think Johnny English as a character is very likable. He's an underdog. He's got a dream. He wishes to be a James Bond-like spy, and then I, by accident he sort of ends up in that role. I don't know if he is. I don't really know if I have a good grasp on what the character is. I feel like he kind of changes from scene to scene. and you He never definitely really changes in the, from the first film to the second film, but the, mm. the films are very different, which we'll get into. Uh, but yeah, in the first film, I uh, yeah, I think he's a bit of a tosser. I don't know if he's particularly supposed to be likable. Yeah. But that is that is quite a skill in itself to make yeah this arrogant, pathetic character even remotely likable. I think that's a skill. Mm. It's like um, you know, well, yeah, Chris Barry as Gordon Brittus or something like that. You know, it's like making a, a, yeah. an asshole still likable. It's, it's um, that's a, a good skill to have. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. So Rowan Atkinson, yeah, okay. So this film as far as I can tell, was born of Barclay card adverts. Yeah. <laughs> <Is that> right? <laughs> yep. Seems to be yep. the case. And not even, yeah. not just like, oh, he did a similar character. I mean, it's essentially exactly the same thing. He's got a sidekick named Boff. Wow, who's this crime doesn't pay? The bigger they are, Boff, the harder they fall. I'm thinking of buying a house up on your salary, Boff. And how do you intend to pay for it? With your Barclay card? Well, funnily enough, sir, you could get it to £1,500 back from Barclay card with a new Barclays mortgage. £1,500, eh? Well, Belgravia beckons. Oh, I think it's a good offer, sir. Just leave the thinking to me. Which is a weird place to come from. But it, do, it does seem like this idea to do a sort of parody, Bond parody thing was separate from that. And then they were like, oh, well, we've already like done this. And Rowan Atkinson would be great for this. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it was literally someone mm. saw the adverts and went, oh, <laughs> I smell a feature film. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Rowan Atkinson is one of the main creative forces yeah. behind it, even though he's not technically credited as a writer or a producer. Mm. Um, but he, he's definitely the driving force behind these films, I would say. Because uh, much of the other creative team like shift around and you know don't come yeah. back for... Well, none of them films. have, have they? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think oh, so. Ben Miller didn't even come back for the didn't. second one, let alone... I get the impression that it's a, a character or a concept that he's been workshopping for a long time behind closed doors, and my guess would be he had to wait for enough distance to be put between, like, Austin Powers and uh, <laughs> his own Bond spoof before anyone would go ahead with it. It's very, it's a very different style. To say it's parodying the same thing, it's very different. Oh, yeah, uh, completely different, different type of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I do find interesting about this first film is that written by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who at this yes. point had written two Bond films. I had no uh, idea went on to write this. more, so this is not... Yeah, yeah. So this was right in the heart of their writing Bond... Mm. I mean, you know, I don't think they've ever really come out and uh, said much about it. Uh, I, I, it's interesting to note that they've not written any other comedies since or, or before, by the what I can tell. Or during. Um, hey? or, <laughs> unless you count Die Another Day as a comedy. Uh-huh. Hey? But this, this, is yeah. the, this is why I find very interesting, because they're the writers of the Bond films. They're right in the heart of it. They must be, th- they're writing stuff and they go, oh, we can't put that in the wrong one because it's a bit too silly. Oh, wouldn't it be funny mm. if we could do this, but we can't. So all these ideas that they must have just lying over, or at least they know exactly what they're parodying. And so why mm. does this not really <laughs> work? 
<laughs> is that what happened with Die Another Day? Like they they accidentally exactly. like, control like copied and pasted something into the wrong script. You'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. No, I have. When you think of Die Another Day, which is an official Bond film, probably has more sillier elements in it, like <laughs> yeah. Pierce Brosnan windsurfing, you know, um, on a glacier uh, uh, tsunami and things like that. But... Yeah. I don't know, it's it's weird. I mean, there's another guy uh, credited on the writing team as well, William Davis, and I can only assume that he was the guy that they probably brought in as, like, you know, comedy punch-up. Uh, and Rowan Atkinson probably contributed a lot himself, I would have thought. I I, I might, you know, I, I'm going to get uh, quite patriotic here, but I, I do think <laughs> oh, this <God>. is <laughs> one of the most um, British films ever made. And I mean yes, that. I mean that yes. inclusive of its its faults and. Uh, <laughs> no, I completely agree. I, I think I completely... if you were to pick a film that represents our our fine nation like <laughs> the most accurate way you possibly could to show to another country or aliens or whatever, I think this would be one of the probably probably the best pick I can think of. Really, it just yeah, and that and it it's also just very naff. <laughs> at times <laughs> when it thinks it's like being really suave and sophisticated it's kind of just but like mm. I say there's a certain charm to the whole thing you know I'm not mm. you kind of you can't hate so. it even though you probably ought to yeah I think well I think well, I think we're all agreed that Rowan Atkinson if it wasn't for him that the, you know the Certainly wouldn't be a film, but I oh, think yeah. that the supporting cast is is quite strong, especially like John Malkovich as your main villain. <laughs> yes, he could quite Ding easily dong. be a look. Look, guys, it's it's French John Malkovich. Hello, oh. I am a French. Why you why you think my accent is totally merda? It's very good accent. No, <laughs> no he he got a lot of flack for his accent in this film, um, but yeah. <laughs> Sounds like well, René Artois. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's actually a French citizen, isn't he? That doesn't no. mean he can do the accent. He's, <laughs> you're you technically know, he's quite... a Mexican citizen, but you're not allowed to do hey, it. Hey, man, arriba! <laughs> ay, 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 ay. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's fantastic. English has seen too much. We go to plan B. Get rid of the fake archbishop and green light the visit to Her Majesty, and then this pathetic country can humiliate itself by crowning me officially. When I first saw it, I just thought it was because, like, you know, some of the Bond films go to, like, obscure foreign actors <laughs> who haven't really broken through or something, and they bring them over, and I thought that that's what this film was doing with this, like, strange French guy who was... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, hadn't had a big break in the in the states yet. But, but no. I, I, you know, what? I don't think his French accent's even that bad. I think it's just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's supposed to be a character. It's, a cartoon it's supposed accent, to be though, bad. Yeah. But this is the thing. The film in general gets very cartoony, and I think that's not a mm. good thing. I think, and in terms of mm. the plot, like in terms of the like the ending with the crown and all this, like the magic crown that is as soon as it's on your head, you're the king. Well, that's how it works. Is it? Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> if someone accidentally falls into the place and they get the crown put on them by accident, that still counts, does it? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. And we all do everything they say because they are our ruler, even if they are mm. a French supervillain who's manipulated their way into <laughs> into power. <laughs> what did we make of uh, Natalie Imbruglia as the sort of Johnny English girl? Uh, well... Natalie and Natalie and Bruley and Ben Miller just get lost in the mix. They they, they don't get mm. given enough to do. 
they need to have more, like Natalie and Brigby particularly. It's just the character is pointless. And then they're like, oh, and they're in love or something. Uh, it's like, this, like if you're going to do a James Bond thing where he gets this woman, like, do it. Don't do not mm. do it like, oh, they're actually falling for each other. Just do it like he has to sleep his way to get some information and like he doesn't really know what <laughs> to do and he's a bit nervous and like so he makes, messes it up or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I don't think she does that bad a job at all. I think she's uh, fine. It's honest. just, it's it's like, yeah. as a bit of stunt casting, it's like, really, that's the best she could get, isn't is it? Is it stunt casting? Wasn't she, yeah, no, she I just thought acted, she was just she? trying to get into acting at this point. She was um, an actor. Was she? She was an really. actor. What else? She was, she was a singer, she, wasn't she? No, she was in Neighbours, yeah. and so she oh, did a song off of the back of Neighbours. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they should have got a French girl. Uh. They got one. They got John Malkovich. <laughs> what do you mean? I am not French. I am so obviously French. I have a garlic a baguette. You're, you're doing like an angry French chef, whereas he is more slow and calculated, like his. <laughs> Suave man who's going to sleep with your wife and you know it. <laughs> um, so we, we've touched on the rest of the cast. What about Ben Miller? We haven't really. Yeah, done let's it. talk about Ben Miller because I think the character. And it's one of the things that is sort of missing from the writing. It's one of the main things that just doesn't come together. That yeah. character never gets his just reward for helping all the time and being right all the time. Like I like Ben Miller, but like, what is he? <laughs> He's very plain, and like anyone could have played this role. I don't think he brings anything to it. Harsh. I think a lot yeah. of people would have brought more to it than he does. I, I, I'm, I'm, he is I, just supposed to be the straight guy, isn't he? Yeah. Like, I think but even I think then, Ben Miller think... is just that. Like he's in mainly comedies, but I don't think of him as a comedian. I just think of him as a mm. straight sort of hapless guy. That's it. Even then, I I feel like someone could have been the straight guy a lot better than he was. Yeah, there needs to be a point where either Johnny English goes, "All right, you've helped me out," and kind of learns a little bit of humility, which happens in the second one, or you know, Ben Miller's character gets. You know the reward at the end. He he's recognised in some way, but it's not. It all just falls onto Johnny English, who at no point, and that's the other trouble with Johnny English. At no point does he kind of turn a corner, learn a lesson, and say, "Okay, now I'm going to change and and do this right." He just stumbles mm. into the next thing, and it's again something they address in the second film. They do a lot better, but in this one, it's just everything is an accident, and then he just accidentally falls into the success. And so there's no mm. there's no sense of achievement out of the character. I think it's just bad writing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. We've been kind of down on it, but there is a lot to enjoy here still, I yeah. think. Yeah. It is entertaining. Yeah. yeah. It's not a painful one. Well, that's it. I, I Part of the reason I've seen it so many times is that it, it is just very easy to sit through. Um, yeah. Well, here's a positive. The music... Um, Mm. my note is that the music would be the best part of the film, except it's really overscored. It's like Mickey Mouse (laughs) scoring. But yeah, (laughs) but the actual main theme is fantastic. Like, it's it's this real Bond-esque. Yeah, that's the best bit of the Bond parodying is that song. Mm. Mm. Because it could be a real song. (laughs) If you don't listen too close to the lyrics, it's like... Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was talking about the theme rather than the song, but the song is, as well, pretty... Yeah. Oh, no, the, the song was uh, pre-existing, wasn't it? And they just used it for the film. It wasn't written for the film. Oh, really? That that man for all seasons, Robbie Williams? Yeah, thing. the Robbie Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Because I assumed it was written as a sort of a little yeah, parody I, of I, Bond songs. But looking at the lyrics, there's nothing specific. But it is obviously a Bond song. So I think this was a I think this was a genuine Robbie Williams Bond song. And then they were like, oh, this is silly enough to use as a parody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, if you haven't seen it, uh, there's a scene where he crashes a funeral because he believes that yeah. it's a, <laughs> like, being staged. They've got the crown yeah, jewels they, they, in a coffin, that's how they got, that's them, it. They got yes. them away. And he gets mixed up with the, uh, the hearse. Yeah. Hearse. Oh, that's it, that's hearse. it, he's chasing a hearse that in a car. Yeah, that's it, it's a car chase. Yeah. Now, this, <laughs> this scene, on paper, should be hilarious and, like, so up my street. Hmm. And there's just something about it just doesn't work. Can I tell you what it is? <laughs> Go on. It's because, and this happens in several of the scenes in the film, people don't react. Yeah. Like, it's the same when the whole thing with the coronation is going on, and thought, he's got the yeah. Archbishop Canterbury's ass out. There's no one running up and going, stop this, you madman, or like security running in. Well, they, they, because they it's the fucking coronation, and... there'll be armed police there. Yeah, or, shooting you know, him in the and, and then line. the same. It's like you've got all these extras and just like don't speak, just sort of cry politely. Well, that, uh, that, there's one specific moment where the woman is cued to start going oh and sobbing, but that's only because then yeah. he goes oh and real tears, very good. Real tears, you get paid extra for that. But nobody, but like nobody grabs him and goes, "Get off the coffin, you prick!" And like he's got yeah. a gun, so the 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 more ominous reaction would be to go, "Holy shit, he's got a gun! What's what the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> like not just, oh, "I'm upset because I'm at a funeral." Oh, is something strange happening at the funeral? I have I barely even noticed. And I don't know. I don't know if the reaction, if you're mourning someone, I don't know if the reaction would be to like start crying even more when this fucking maniac shows up. I think you'd kind of be like, you'd just be like, what the act, what is going on? What is this? But they don't even play it like that. They do just sort of stand there quietly. Yeah. Not not shocked, not offended yeah. looking. Yeah. Just And then yeah. in the coronation scene, you, you they cut to the, sh- the shot with the Prime Minister there. There's uh, 200 extras filling up this room. And none of them, <laughs> none of them are going... Oh, should we try and stop this? Should we just... <laughs> oh, no, never mind. <laughs> there, there, there is one bit when I think that like, the Prime Minister stands up and says, Savage, and then he points a gun at him and then he sits down and that's, yeah, I think that's supposed to explain why no one's... <laughs> why, uh, why the heavily armed police yeah. aren't getting involved. <laughs> Calvin, this, this, what in Johnny English, you're the best equipped to answer this, what in Johnny um, English is Bond parody. Like, what jumps out at you as like, look, they've seen this thing in Bond and then they've gone, right, we'll twist it this way. Uh, mm, I mean, you, you raise a good point. And I think, again, not to get ahead of ourselves, the next film in the series strikes me as more of a Bond parody than this. Yeah. Um, they do have the secret agent guy at the very start, who is an obvious, like, Bond figure <laughs> who Johnny uh, looks up to and admires and then he bumps him off. Um, accidentally. Yeah, I mean, there's no, like, sort of, I mean, uh, John Malkovich has, like, a cool, like, I guess it's a castle or whatever, but it's not... It's not really a like, lair, traditional... yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, his plan is very... 
Well, you know, it's, his plan's more comedic. His plan's more Austin Powers than Bond. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But fair enough. So, yeah, and, and he obviously has a car. Um, oh, yeah. With gadgets. Yeah, yeah. But that's not really... The, like, the car and the gadgets themselves aren't really... They aren't really spoofed. They more just facilitate other gags, like uh, blowing up mm. the traffic and like, camera and, and stuff. And, like, so. Bond, you know, never really has a, a sidekick... Uh, like no, buff, no. not in that mold. Anyway, occasionally has people help. Well, they're always a woman that you can sleep with, but this is a family film, so yeah. And then you've got the woman, and they don't really commit to that. No one wants to see Rowan Atkinson getting off with a woman like half his age either. It's just kind of creepy. Yeah. So that I think that's. I reckon he wrote it into the film, and the director kind of had to like hold him back a bit and be like, "Come on, let's not have too much of that. It's not <laughs> play. It doesn't play well." I will say that when it comes to spoofing Bond, I think it's very difficult to spoof the Bond character himself, and it's it's easier to spoof the other sort of fantastical elements around him. But this film doesn't really do either of those. Mm. Like even Austin Powers, Austin Powers doesn't really parody the Bond yeah, character. What, I, like he's this sort of like Michael Caine. That's it. What is that all about? He's it's so weird to say how directly spoofing Bond those mm. films are at times. The characters like nothing to do with him. It's bizarre. I, I've never quite yeah, understood it. Yeah. I don't think it really succeeds very well as a Bond spoof. It is a spy caper, I guess. But... Mm, yeah. But yeah, it, feel, it feels like this is not a, a Bond parody, but it's a film about a character that's watched Bond and like dreams of being Bond. Yeah. Rather, yeah. Than, yeah. rather than the whole world being a Bond parody. And maybe that would have worked if they didn't have that Bond character at the start who comes in. Yeah. And that establishes, okay, we are living in a sort of... James Bond-esque world silliness and villains and maybe it would have been funnier yeah. if Rowan Atkinson was just aspiring to be that character in a very normal world but, yeah but then you, you know, like you say the tone's all over that's the place. it there's other elements that clash with that as well like the music the theme the very presence mm. of a theme mm. like that is just so Bond-like the Bond girl character who's kind of there but then I mean, I guess yeah. a lot of comedies have a crowbar in romance but it, I don't know there's a few things that feel like very overt attempts at doing a Bond thing, but then it doesn't quite gel mm. with the bulk of the film. Yeah. I really like John Malkovich's infomercial video about how he plans to use, uh, when he's king, he's going to use Britain as a giant prison. Well, I, I really like the plan. I think that the film kind of, it obviously becomes absurdly silly when his evil, mm. dastardly plan comes out, but that that's more interesting to me than the sort of stuff you actually get in Bond films, because it's so, like... It's something you'd get in a cartoon, and again, it's it's sort of pitched at a different level than half the film. Mm. But I, I do like it, conceptually. And yeah, so if anyone hasn't mm. seen it, he's going to become the, the king uh, through a series of technical this and that and blah 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 blah, because he's in line for the throne. Yeah. Any foreign uh, listeners should know that there's there's a million like bizarre things that the Queen technically owns or can do, and one of which is she technically can seize any land she wants for herself, because technically all the land actually still belongs to her, and we're just kind of renting it from her. I mean, I don't know if that's true. No, that is true. No, it is. We, she <laughs> technically owns all the land, and we're renting it from her. That's why we pay the monarch. That's what that mm. money is a payment. You thinking for. of swans? <laughs> <laughs> but she obviously, all the swans. But obviously, like the royalty are figureheads, and none of that would like the second the queen actually tried to enact any sort of power like that, we'd be like, right, get out. 
Yeah. <laughs> Overthrow the monarchy, <laughs> executions, beheadings. Blood in the street. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it doesn't really work, but for, you know, it's silly comedy, it kind of works. But then, I don't know, at the end, when, like, when Rowan Atkinson's sort of getting in the way of Pascal, who's inexplicably a really popular, soon-to-be French monarch <laughs> that all the crowds are, like, on board with, even though, like, in reality, the Daily Mail would be going mental. Uh, <laughs> it was back in 2003, we were much more... <laughs> you know, friendly uh, nation. But the film itself keeps making jokes about how much the Brits hate the French. Like, it keeps... Chris Tarrant yeah. keeps going on about... what What's his thing? Like, we're, we're taking your top ten reasons. You love France. Uh, we're still waiting for a call. Haven't had a single call yet. <laughs> like, it, even the film yeah, can't help like itself. So, <laughs> yeah. then we're meant to buy that all these crowds are out, like, oh, yeah, King Pascal. Yeah, but and have then... you seen these fucking cunts when there's a royal <laughs> wedding or a baby? Yeah, no, there? I mean, that, that <laughs> I can get on board. The streets, they've got the Union Jack suits on. Fucking hell, drop a bomb. Half of, the... <laughs> oh Half of them are American <laughs> as well, and that I can completely get on board with, like, as part of the film. But then. Maybe these ones if... are friends. But if this was reality. <laughs> this is why we got when... Brexit. If this was reality, <laughs> this film. <laughs> if this was reality, then um, the moment when Johnny English is stood up prattling around on stage, there wouldn't be gasps and shock in the streets and like open mouthed people agog, just like this is so undignified. People be going like, <laughs> "Yes, mate, come on, English, no <laughs> fucking legend, mate." Like they. <laughs> Everyone be laughing their heads off, cheering him on. You go, go and watch footage. What, what, what kind of like people do you watch royal events with? Like all well, the people I in the pub would be laughing like, their heads off. Harry and Meghan's wedding and being like, "Oh yeah, I hope someone throws an egg." Or <laughs> no, what? Like right, watch footage from any British election, right? There's always mm. someone in the back dressed like a rejected Mighty Boosh character. <laughs> <laughs> just, just there, or like a... <laughs> or, or someone like... Someone dressed up as um, Mr. Blobby or something like that. It's always there. And yeah. and it's, you know, people love it. It's, it's a... It, again, it's one of the few things in this world that makes me genuinely patriotic. Um, <laughs> and sort of like this country, the fact that you've always got one of those people in the background, Mr. Chips, or well, they're normally running, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah, and that's it. And then, and then Prime Minister Theresa May has to like accept <laughs> her election to power, <laughs> stood in the, in the foreground the of a photograph <laughs> of someone dressed up as a piece of broccoli. It's that's that's what this country is, and it's brilliant. that's what democracy is all about. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's why I just think I think the crowds would be a lot more jovial and willing to see what Johnny English was going to do next instead of being like gasping in shock. Yeah. So anyway, I guess that the film was sort of well received, and I mean, was it made some money? I don't think it was. I don't think it was very well received at all. I think everyone kind of thought it was weak. Even, like, people like myself as a 13-year-old fan of Rowan Atkinson was kind of like, yeah, not his best work. Uh, <laughs> uh, should, we, should we rate it? I'm gonna go six. Yeah, I'm going six as well. I think it's quite really? generous. Yeah. 
But yeah, huh. I think that's quite generous. Yeah. But it was just, yeah, it's like a silly comedy. It's entertaining, but it doesn't really hold together. But it's like, what, what are you expecting, you know? That's interesting, because I, I also give it a very generous six. But I thought uh, I thought you yeah. guys were going to, like, come down on me for being so generous after I was <laughs> Well, you're right. It's got, it's got a charm about it. And it is... Yeah. Some of it's vaguely amusing. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, then inexplicably, uh, eight years on, a sequel came out. I don't think anyone was asking for a sequel. <laughs> no. Well, Rowan Atkinson yeah. must have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, he must have been the only, like, driving force behind it, surely. Mm. I mean, especially so long after the first one came out. Like... Well, that's it. All the, all the like, five-year-olds who liked the first one are too old to enjoy it anymore. I mean, I don't know, maybe the first one did make loads of money. I, the first one came out at the very peak of that, like, DVD, home media, mm. like, being a big thing. With it being such a kind of kid-friendly film, I can completely believe it made a killing on DVD. And I guess it would play well on TV as well. You can put it on an ITV on an afternoon. Yeah. Relatively inoffensive. I was working in a cinema when the second one came out. Like, they, re- really? they really went to town, like, promoting it with, like, Johnny English popcorn bags and stuff like that. They, like, it was, yeah. they'll do that every few months for, like, you know, it's normally, like, the Avengers or Star Wars, mm. and inexplicably, they went with Johnny English Reborn <laughs> for that particular mm. uh, quarter or however often they updated all the stuff. That's, yeah, that's unusual. I've got a photo with one of the placards, I think, from... <laughs> 2010. Uh, yeah, I don't really know why it was so... And even now I'm seeing like the new one promoted quite heavily. Yeah. I mean, I know it's like the second one's a... Uni- well, I think they're all universal films. So they've got like a healthy marketing budget behind them and whatnot. Mm. But it, yeah, I'm just flabbergasted that this is a series. <laughs> I, um, bet they, um, I bet they do very well internationally. They're yeah. kind of broad enough and not... As incredibly British as they are, I don't think they're too tied to the culture in terms of the sense of humour. And Rowan Atkinson has a big international appeal because of Bean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. A good, that's a good yeah. sort of thing to trade on. So Casino Royale came out after Johnny English and yes. reinvented the Bond franchise and, by extension, the, the spy genre. Well, I mean, you could credit that to the Bourne films as well. Yeah, um, I suppose so. Which came out slightly before, but I get, yeah, I get your point. Uh, yeah, so Johnny English Reborn kind of seemed very much like they were pitching it as, how's this old school guy going to fit into a new type of spy movie, eh? And, mm. and uh, again, muddled tone, film doesn't really know what it's doing, two or three scenes kind of doing that, the rest of it, real old school James Pond stuff. Mm, I think this works better than the last one. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I think this is a much more sensible plot. It has a much more straightforward Mm. narrative that it's dealing with. The characters are more well-rounded. No, I don't think it is. (laughs) I think this one actually has, like, good, exciting, well-choreographed action sequences Mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah, I'll give it that. Uh, And it's... it's, I don't know if I had a bigger budget or what, but it embraces the... It embraces that like international feel of James Bond, like they're traveling around the world yeah. at different locations. Yeah, there's the snow one, the yeah. rural yeah. England. Well, that one. felt like a proper Bond lair that they end up in at the end, like a proper villain's lair up on a mountain. Uh, um, a cable car. Oh, but also, it's not really. They don't really have a a Bond villain as such, do they? Mm, kind um, of. I mean, he's not an overt caricature of a villain, but I mean, there is a 
No, there's a bad trap. guy, there's an antagonist, but it's not a Bond villain type of villain, is he? It's different different. Well, he's sort of like Bond. He's if Bond was a villain. I think that's the that's the point. Mm. They have Dominic Weston as this sort of James Bond mm. cipher in this film, and then he becomes the the villain. Uh, and I think I think that's what they're doing with it. So Johnny English mm. has to go up against James Bond himself, kind of. Dominic um, Dominic West just strikes me like someone that Alan would inexplicably like hate for some reason. <gasps> I had the exact same thought. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't even. It I don't know anything. I don't know anything no, it else he's strike even you as done. That. I've slagged him off many times on this podcast. Uh, have that's you? Why it's, What's he even done? You? He was in. He was in the new uh, Lara Croft film. I ripped him apart for that. Oh, oh maybe I'm just subconsciously. So I think you. Rem- I think you remember that. Yeah. But yeah, he's shit. In this, this role is the ro- sort of role he can do. So he's not bad here, but it's such a bland performance. For a character that you don't have to go full John Malkovich to to bring something out of this, you, you, there's a middle ground there. Crikey, I was looking to get a little hanky panky, and this one bloke gave me this number to call when I got across the pond. You know who should have, who they should have had, hmm. uh, Rupert Everett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that could. Work. I mean, that would have been good as well, but no, it's not who I was going to say. Jack Davenport. God. Yeah, because you hate, yeah, him, I as hate well. him as well. <laughs> he's better. He's better than Dominic West. To be fair, I'll give him that. I think he would have been good in that role, actually. Jack Davenport. Yeah. <laughs> um, the cast in this film, real step up from the first. I think. No disrespect to John Malkovich, who's kind of almost as much of the lifeblood of the first one as Rowan Atkinson is, but um, this second mm. one adds into the mix. Gillian uh, Anderson. Couldn't remember if it was Gillian or Gillian yes. then. Gillian Anderson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, she's the new Pegasus, the new head of MI seven. Mm-hmm. Tim McKinney, a little a little uh, reunion moment. Him yeah, as the new he, Q. He, that kind of wasted, but Yeah, wasted, that was exactly my words, yeah. But at least now they have a Q character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Oscar Oscar nominee, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Very early mm-hmm. role for him. Yeah. And this is yeah. it, it really jumped out at me here as well. Like he's He's one of those people who just seems to have something about him, like no matter what. Oh god, yeah. He's just got some magic about him. Yeah. Like the camera. Well, this is. I didn't want to get into it too much before, but like what we were saying earlier about how if they'd cast someone with a bit more something about themselves than Ben Miller. No disrespect to Ben Miller. I like Armstrong and Miller, but Mm. Daniel Kaluuya is that. He he is that role, but with some personality, and he actually brings something to the role, and you're actually like. Mm happy to see him on screen basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh you got rosamund rosamund pike rosamund pike yes rosamund pike who was in die another day mm-hmm. so she was a bond girl villainous in that film again just very tacked on here this character yeah and then really this know sort what of doing in the pasted film, but... in love story thing that's going on mm-hmm. that doesn't really work and alan alan did you spot our favorite the president of mozambique yes <laughs> You're right, I did, I was going to mention it to you. <laughs> I, I saw him, because it, it is an extra role, he doesn't speak, you just see him getting killed. And it just quick glances of him, I was like, oh, I know that guy from somewhere. <laughs> I, but I, had to, I, didn't, I couldn't place it, I had to look him up, but as soon as I saw that name. <laughs> the guy who plays the president of Mozambique who gets killed, uh, he gets assassinated. He's called Oyo. Called Valley Oyo. He plays Mr. Adibanjo in Meet the Adibanjos. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> a long-term favourite of uh, Solomon. 
Um, okay. I mean, we went to see him live, didn't we, Alan? We watched <laughs> we him did, perform yeah. Meet the Animanjos in person. Of course. Well, Alan, did you see another actor in this film that we saw live once? Um, I can't remember. Who, who was it? Richard Schiff. Oh, yeah. We saw him live. Oh, yeah, we did. We saw him with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> we did, yes. yes. Oh, yeah, we did. In uh, Speed the Plow, was it? Is that what it was called? That's it, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. again, just sort of like, how much did they pay him to turn up for, like, one scene? <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. Like, is Rowan Atkinson, like, very well connected? Or is this something that... Because to look at this film, like, it's not the most appealing of... And it didn't have that big a budget. So I, I don't know how they managed to attract such a great... Well, I I don't think anyone here is that remarkable. They're all, like, people I would expect to turn up in a British film, you know? Rosamund Pike, I mean, she's not that big a deal, is she? But, like... She's Oscar-nominated. Yeah, now. She is now. Oh, fair enough. She does seem to be getting a lot of uh, respect these days. Oh, yeah, no, that's it. But, again, she's she's a Daniel Kaluuya, again. Like, I think what we've got here is a very good casting director who has mm. been very savvy, like, use their savvy. money effectively, and cast a lot of really talented people in, in smaller roles, you know, up-and-comers and what have you. Mm. That, that, that's really what it struck me at. Like, Bern Gorman, again, I think he was basically an unknown, and he's just an extra presence in the film no. now. I mean, was he not? No, he'd been in Torchwood by this point. Yeah. I mean, I... I his biggest yeah. thing. I mean, he's still not a massive deal. But... Yeah, I would say, talking about him as if he's a big star now. But that's it. He's just he's he's done a few more films since, and that's why he's kind of a recognisable face to us. But he's still not like a, you know, even Valley Oyo. That's good cast. Alan and I tried to cast him in our our thing years ago. We thought, okay, we might just get him Pie in the Sky. Tried to get in contact with him, couldn't get any Imagine contact that's, details because he your changed pie his in the agent. Sky. How low <laughs> your expectations need to be? Hey, Valley Oyo is a talented actor, man. My potato! <laughs> My potato! Eh? You know it's our anniversary, eh? Anniversary. Ah, and, eh, baby, I have something special for you. Special! Ah, I know that uh, yesterday you thought that I forgot, <laughs> but I was only playing tricks. What's <laughs> with ya? With ya! Is the, um, is the opening supposed to be like a Batman Begins mm. sort of thing? With Johnny like out in the desert, I was hoping you training. could shed some light on this because I didn't. I I haven't seen oh. the modern Bond films. I don't know if this is like something in a Bond film that they're doing. Because to me, it just felt very no. Batman Begins as well. And I thought, well, maybe that's just kind of a an age old trope of spy films, and I've not seen enough. But Ace Ventura Two does the same thing where he starts. Um... You see him losing a like a raccoon dies on his. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he goes to, but that is specifically spoof of Cliffhanger, I think, with Sylvester Stallone. I just I don't think it works that well because Johnny English strikes me like someone where you want Johnny English strikes me like a character where you want to believe he's off having these adventures and you're just not watching it and you check in Mm. with him eight years down the line and see what he's up to, and then I don't know that it does have a weird implication in that Johnny English is like become a lot more competent in this film but then he's yeah. still incompetent yeah, for sure. so you don't really know like yeah. is he meant to be a brilliant spy or not it, it's really i don't mm. really know what the idea is mm. there's that whole bit when um, richard schiff's character is killed isn't there and they're chasing the assassin and he's just sort of very casually 
uh, following the guy along rooftops yeah, and, and finding quicker that's ways. A nice that, that's the most overt yeah. um, spoof, I think, of modern Bond, isn't it? They're doing a joke about all the parkour that I believe was mm. in Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And like conceptually, yeah, nice, nice. But it makes Johnny English actually come across as suave and competent and sophisticated, which surely is yeah. not what the yeah. film's meant to be. I don't know. I thought the idea was he was a foolish idiot, and the joke almost feels like yeah. it should be the other way around, with him trying to do elaborate parkour, and then the Ben Miller character just being like, sir, why didn't you use the door? I don't know. It just doesn't quite <laughs> play. Speaking of Ben Miller, was he too expensive? <laughs> I I read they they filmed some scenes and they got cut out. But yeah, yeah. Okay. But there was no, there was never any intention to bring him back as that main character. That's very odd. Mm. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'm not well, that's it. Daniel Kaluuya's much better presence mm-hmm. in this film than than he was in the first mm. one. But it it does strike me as an odd. Maybe the idea is just to kind of give him a rolling series of sidekicks from film to film. But then I was under the impression Ben Miller's back mm. for the new yeah, one. Yeah, the new one. It's Ben yeah, Miller. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Which is strange. Again, that's the kind of thing, like, if this were a popular series and the fans were in uproar that they recast the beloved Ben Miller role, then fair enough. But I can't imagine anyone was... Well, I, I suppose Daniel Kaluuya is too big a star now to possibly be brought back for a third film, but hmm. it seems odd that they bring Ben Miller back. Love to make that call to his agent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you never know. They might go, look, you remember your first big break? Yeah, maybe, maybe he really enjoyed it. It was like, yeah, oh, I doubt you know, it. Did a lot for me. And... I reckon he fell out with Rowan Atkinson and doesn't want to work with him again. <laughs> complete fact. <laughs> <laughs> um... I've not got many notes about this one, really. I've got... Um... Yeah, I've covered no, everything I... I wanted to say. <laughs> well, I think we covered most of it talking about the first film, really. It's very similar. But I, but like I say, I think the jokes here are slightly better. I think the cast are slightly better. There are actually good action sequences. The script sequences is definitely more sensible. Here. Yeah, yeah. It works better as a film yeah. in a whole. I like the helicopter sequence, or at least the concept behind it, where they're kind of driving along the road in a helicopter... Mm. Uh, mm. That's that's like a nice level of action to kind of chuck into the film that yeah. makes vague sense in a way that mm. the first one didn't mm. really. So the the uh, uh, it's not mid credits exactly, but there's a scene yeah. while the credits what are the rolling. What the fuck is that? Where it it sort of like it wants to be the Charlie Chaplin uh, great dictator moment where doing? he's shaving uh, a guy to music. I think. I don't really know, but it's so... It's just sort of Rowan Atkinson cooking in sync with the music, but not really going over the top with much yeah, it's of it? Not, or... It's not funny. It's not, like, elaborate enough to the point that it... like it's, it, it's something, like, I could probably improvise to that level of skill in my own kitchen cooking. It's not... <laughs> it's really not that elaborate or interesting you you get the impression that rowan atkinson just does it at home when he's cooking and thought it would be really <laughs> good to put in the film so there's this weird so scene it's, where, it's not uh, it's did not you Michael watch it Alan, making this, breakfast then. this sequence no i must have missed this no, i probably as soon as the credits yeah. it off. so <laughs> i didn't see this so she he sat with the the love interest woman and she says like oh i really fancy a chinese takeaway and he's like oh i'll go and order one and he picks up the menu and then like 
puts it in the bin or something, picks up the phone and puts it back down or something, then takes out a CD of, uh, is it In the Hall of the Mountain King, I think, the music? Um, That's it, yes. Presses play, and then just starts walking around the kitchen, taking, like, spring onions and things out of the fridge, and, like, chopping them on the chopping board in time to the music, just like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and, like, taking pans out, and I think the idea is that he cooks this not particularly appetising looking meal it's like some fried chicken and vegetables um, and I think the joke is that she's gonna go oh wow this is much nicer than the takeaway would have been no fucking way would whatever he's cooking be as nice as a bit of sweet and sour chicken I'm sorry but it just wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know it's so weird it almost feels like a deleted scene that just got stuck in the end that credits that my question I, I don't know where yeah. it would fit well if- I did notice that when in the film, she goes, oh, I could, I've, you can get me a takeaway. And then it cuts to them eating with like a casserole dish on the table. It's like, this looks a very fancy takeaway. There, oh, that must be where it was going to go. So that was obviously where it was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. It strikes me as the kind of thing that was probably in the film because Rowan Atkinson insisted yeah. on it. But test audiences were like, what the hell is this weird, yeah. like, extended uh, it just, musical sequence? But yeah, if it just kills not, the pace of the story. Not in character with anything yeah. we know of Johnny English. Other than he's inexplicably mm. like talented and competent in the second film, and that's just more of that. Yeah. Well, he's been training. <laughs> I was gonna say if, if the idea was that he'd like, l- where was he training? What country was it? Like Tibet or something? Um, yeah, it's got to be Tibet, and uh, it monks and that. If if she'd said to him like, oh, I really fancy a, Tibet, a classic yeah. Tibetan monk dish, <laughs> and he'd have gone, oh, I know a good place that does that. Give me five minutes. I don't know. It might make more mm. sense, but it, it's. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was, like, China that he was in. Is Tibet in China? Where's Tibet? That's a (laughs) controversial... um, (laughs) I'm not getting involved. (laughs) uh, Don't don't go uh, there. Well, I mean, it it sounds like you guys are going to be rating this one higher than the previous one. It sounds like that. When I went to see this at the cinema, I fucking hated it. I was so angry. at the cinema? Well, I worked at the cinema at the time, so I would, like, bear in mind, I, I would, like, go into my shift, like, two hours early, catch a film, and then, like, go to work, or on uh. the way out, just catch a film for free. So I watched it for free in the cinema. I was so angry. I thought this was bullshit. Oh. What a load of shit. Watching it again the other night, it was like, oh, actually, this is about as good as the other one. There's not much in it. We're all much um, more mellow these days. Yeah, <laughs> we were fresh graduates back then. We were angry at media and yeah, all this. But it it was just a lot better than I remembered. Really, um, I think it's lacking some of that sort of inexplicable charm the first film had, and I don't really know mm. what I don't know. It's it, I think the increased budget makes the whole thing feel glossier, which makes the whole thing feel more soulless and less forgivable Mm. of its shortcomings and therefore I give this one a 5. I don't think it's quite as good in spite of being more competent Mm. in a lot of elements. Well, interestingly I guess I'm similar I definitely think this is a better film it's better in almost every aspect and I would say I enjoyed it slightly more Mm. but I'm giving it a 6 but it's better than the other one but I I would have given it a 7 but it lost a mark because his life was saved by True Love's Kiss. <laughs> so I, I took a point off for that. Oh, it's completely, completely oh. unironic. Un- <laughs> uh, yeah, so I give it a six. 
Uh, well, it's a seven from me. I think it is <sighs> for the reasons we've highlighted. It's a much more enjoyable experience. I think the the highs are much higher than the previous mm. film. Anyway, um, so Ben Miller's coming back for this one. Yeah, have yeah. you seen the trailer? Yeah, I watched yeah. the trailer. Yeah, they've it's got they've ticked the boxes of they've got Olga Kurylenko, who was a former Bond girl, sort of taken over from Rosamund Pike, I guess. Emma Thompson, I suppose, taking mm. over from Gillian she's Anderson, the, the M character. No, she's it says she's playing the Prime Minister. Oh, oh, oh very topical. <laughs> you know, I don't actually know what the plot is. <laughs> does, does anyone know what what it's going to well, be? Well, I watched about? the trailer and it wasn't apparent. So. Yeah, Johnny English mm. comes out of like hiding again. There's some scenes on a boat that are painful, <laughs> with him like falling around and. Kids were laughing in the cinema at stuff that wasn't funny. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like more of the same. Do you think they'll have uh, <laughs> fine-tuned the relationship between him and Ben Miller so it's actually funny this time? Or Nope. Mm. Nah. Nope. I think this is the last one, though. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think Rowan Atkinson is going to live to make another one. <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to come around every, like, eight years. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think he's got another one in him. I think he's going to go a bit quite young, Rowan Atkinson, and it'll be, you know, national tragedy. But what age would you have to be to still classify as dying young? <laughs> I don't know. How old is Rowan Atkinson now? He's 63. Yeah. I think I think any time before 70 is like, you know, it's not it's not a great age to go at, is it? It's like, But anything lower than 70, the newsreaders can't smile as they sort of fondly remember the life <laughs> when, that, that person had When had. do they smile announcing the death of... <laughs> oh, well, no, 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 but like every now and then when... Ken Dodd died last night. Hey. You know, when it's like, it's hard to like get upset about, you know, these like rich... <laughs> You know, late eighties, early ninety-year-olds who've yeah, had great yeah, lives yeah. and careers and have died. I think the newsreaders still, yeah. But when it's Paul Chuckle, <laughs> <laughs> was he young? Is that the one that died? Or was it the other one? No, <laughs> I mean, he was the, the younger one. of the little the... one. It was the little one. He was Barry. <laughs> he was the younger of the two, wasn't he? Oh no, he was just a small one. I don't know. <laughs> He's just smaller. He was the run. No, he, he is. He was the older of those two, but I think they've got older brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. We spoke about the other two Chuckle brothers that are like unofficial Chuckle brothers, but are the older brothers who yeah. are still alive. Yeah, one of them like married a twenty-five-year-old or something. That's why he's. That's Facebook. why he's still alive. He's got that to live for, <laughs> keeping him young. <laughs> well, um, that's what well, that blows your Rowan Atkinson theory out. Then true. <laughs> I'm sure he's like making this Johnny English film because he needs money for his divorce or something. I'm sure I read that it all kind of it got him back into like making stuff because he needed money all of a sudden. It says they he divorced in November 2015, um, and he's and he immediately put this into last production. year. This time last year. My goodness. So he's got yeah. Hang on, his child was born in December 2017. That means he made this film to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> That explains it. Because this film was shooting like early 2018. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Because they do, they, they <laughs> do just like desperate. pop out of nowhere. These films. That's like, it. Yeah, it's like you forget about it. You forget mm. about everyone involved. Oh, there's another one. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I've never met anyone, or indeed seen anyone on any kind of social media platform excited about the prospect of more Johnny English films. What is there new to spoof? I mean, so I know that you mentioned well, yeah. that um, in the previous Johnny English film, the tone was sort of 
all over the place with regards to what it was spoofing, but yeah. now it's sort of um, they've done kind of your campier sort of like '90s Bonds, and then they've done the grittier reboot franchises. So I'm not quite sure what there is to do in this one. Yeah, um, I don't think it'd stop them because because the first two are so like, are these even spoof movies, or have we kind of forgotten yeah. we're making a spoof halfway through? I think they just kind of do their own thing. But I don't know, if, if we, mm. let's say we're doing it, this is what we do, we do pitches. Yep. How yep. would we approach Are it? Are you then? reminding me? <laughs> that long? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to knead it into this discussion. Knead dough. I'm missing Bake Off for this. <laughs> I'm gonna run off now, guys. No, I'm not. Um, mm. I don't know, no one really cares about, oh, oh pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, that was some Johnny English caliber humor right there. <laughs> a man burping as he's trying to talk. Um, yeah, what everybody really wants is a new Blackadder. That's what they should do. If you're going to start dragging back stuff from years ago, yeah, hmm. I agree. Are you suggesting that we picture Blackadder revival? Oh, can, Black can we just Bond. kind of let's keep Tim McInerney in the cast. Let's get Tony Robinson in as his sidekick. Let's get um, Miranda Richardson as uh, as the new sort of M figure. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Uh, Stephen Fry could be like the prime minister. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Mail as uh... oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Laurie is the villain, a German villain. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. Ben Elton. <laughs> ben Elton. I mean, yeah, let's get Ben Elton and Richard Curtis to write it. I'm sure that would make it a hell of a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) But it has to be a Bond-related sort of... Blackadder is the new Bond. It's not actually Blackadder. We're just getting the cast in as like a a covert... Because all the Blackadder purists won't be happy that it's not as good as Blackadder, because it won't be, no matter (laughs) what, like how hard they try. Could we work it into the film in some way, though? Like, um, Like in Skyfall, how Bond sort of like returns to his... Legacy and his heritage and mm. his roots and yeah. stuff. Can Christoph we actually Waltz reveal that? So Johnny English, Johnny <laughs> English has to go back to his his heritage and his roots, and his dad's played by Brian Blessed. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Still Perfect. Going. Still, still alive. Still going strong. <laughs> yeah. I reckon he'll outlive the the rest of the Black Atticus. <laughs> Calling it now. Series one. <laughs> he is in his eighties. Yeah, he's been up fucking Mount Everest about ten times, and he's yeah. That's not generally good for your health. Though. <laughs> Although the second time, didn't he have to call it quits because he like shat himself near the top? And <laughs> wasn't there something like that? It's like a scene from Johnny English. <laughs> so yeah, so Johnny English has to confront his past that he's been hiding away from with the help of his trusty sidekick. Baldrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can be in his past then that he has to confront? Hmm. He's French. <laughs> maybe that's it. I mean, maybe we take you know straight from the front pages. We uh, have Brexit be a part of the film, or yeah, we do a satire of Brexit. Yeah, with with Johnny English. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, that's yeah. exactly what people want from Johnny English. Let's bring back John Malkovich, <laughs> and uh, he's now king of Germany or something. <laughs> uh, he, his evil scheme managed uh, worked out in another country. 
you are going to do a Brexit on... I will just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot you were here, uh, French John Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you doing? Are you alright? No, oh, he's looking a lot older than he was back when they filmed Johnny English. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. He's off doing yeah highbrow stuff now, like films that aren't going to be released for a hundred years or whatever that crappy thing with Robert Rodriguez. Is he in that? Was. The Rodriguez. Oh man. Y- yeah, that's the film that they like. They showed once and then put in a vault for a hundred years or something, wasn't it? Yeah, they like sent out tickets to the premiere in a hundred years to like rich, rich people to hand down to their kids. Hmm. Um, well, how about we do that? How about we make Johnny English three and then put it in a vault as a time capsule <laughs> to show future generations what England was like? How about we make Johnny English three and put it in a fire? <laughs> 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 Okay, let's do this right. What is the mess? What is the England you want to portray to generations a hundred years from now? Ooh. How you sum up twenty eighteen England? I don't know if it's the England we want oh, to portray. I think just, I think just an accurate portrayal, much like the first film, is a very accurate snapshot of a culture when it was made. Yeah, the new one is mm. the same, but the country's more divided and in all over the shop. So. So Emma Thompson's playing the Prime Minister. That's a good start. She's completely incompetent. She's like more incompetent. I don't know. Than Emma Johnny Thompson's English. quite likable though. Yeah, that's yeah, true. we need. But she's else a, she's a good actor. Yeah. I'm sure she can play mm-hmm. unlikable. No. Johnny English accidentally becomes Prime Minister through a series of bumbling, like he, <laughs> like the the Archbishop of Canterbury, like trips over and like lands on him, and he, somehow he comes out as Prime <laughs> Minister of England because that's how it works. <laughs> and then, and that's the satire is that like he's completely incompetent uh, leader of the country, uh, but then he, he he's got to like pack, like cozy up with some foreign. Types like diplomats and what have you. Pascal can come back as uh, ambassador for France or something. They've forgiven all the crime because he's, <laughs> he's rich and white, so it's believable. Do uh, you remember when I tried to take over the country? Eh? We laugh about it uh, now. No hard feelings. <laughs> no hard. <laughs> I mean, it's believable in the world of Johnny English that France would be completely behind him and fine with, like, forgiving everything he'd done. Because the French hate the English and vice versa, as we all know, according to Johnny English, so... Is this like the Russians supporting Trump? It's like, yeah. break it down from within. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's a, sat- that's a satire. Johnny English becomes the Prime Minister, Mr. Bean's around, and it all goes wrong. <laughs> And it ends with like just just the UK on fire. Just like yeah. that's the final shot is the UK from space and there's just like smoke billowing. That's an accurate representation of the public mood of twenty eighteen. And Pascal is sat in France, sip it like watching from the Eiffel Tower, sipping on like some wine, Champagne. laughing. Ah, you English ah <laughs> <laughs> It's not quite the feel-good ending that these films tend to have, though. I don't really know how he can... No. Can we get Danny Boyle to direct it? Yeah! <laughs> oh, man. Imagine. Imagine if... Because it would actually be good. He'd actually make it good. 
Do you think? Do you think anyone could possibly make it? Yeah, I think if Danny Boyle came in and they were going to let him take control of it and not fire him for creative differences, <laughs> I think he would get it into a shape where it would probably end up being better than the next Bond film, genuinely. <laughs> I can't imagine him and Rowan Atkinson having a non-contentious relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah, also. yeah. <laughs> but I think that could breed some good material on screen, some good comedy. True, true. Yeah, so apparently it's already out in some places, and oh, really? it has a thirty-six percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. How's that compared to the other uh, two? Very similar. <laughs> I mean, it's only had fourteen reviews, I should say. So, at the time of recording, Johnny English Three, aka Johnny English Strikes Again, has got thirty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which puts it three percent ahead of Johnny English, the first one. <laughs> So it's mm-hmm. it's yet another sequel better than the first film, apparently. <laughs> a triumph. Yeah, but that is 2% <laughs> lower than Johnny English Reborn, so... Yeah. Thank you for listening, and if this hasn't been enough Johnny English chatter for you, then let me remind you that you can listen to our full, unedited recording of this episode at our website, dimreturns.com. Not only do you get more of our opinions, but also the inane tangents that we go on, the talking over each other, the coughing directly into the microphone, all that great stuff that we cut out to make us sound more professional. And if you are a fan of the show, then please do us a favour and rate us on iTunes, as this helps us look legit and reach a wider audience. I'll see you next week! <laughs>